It's Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio. From the word to life. We're 97.9 WGNR-FM Anderson, Indianapolis. 91.7 WIWC Kokomo. 89.9 WHPL West Lafayette, Lafayette. 90.3 WFOF Covington, Danville. And 88.1 WMVL Mitchell, Bloomington. As we kick off a great conversation with author Judy Dunnigan. She is the author of The Loudest Roar, Living in the Unshakable Victory of Christ. You can find this available at moodybooks.org. That's moodybooks.org. The Loudest Roar is where you're going to be looking for that. And in this, we are going to be talking about taking on how do we discern God's voice over the lies of the enemy? How do we stand in victory rather than cower away in fear and give strength over to the enemy? We're talking about spiritual warfare. This is quite simple. Paul's very clear. Principalities of the air. This is where the battle is. And there is always an enemy who is ready waiting and he is honestly just taking joy in our failings and he wants to keep us in those places but there is a way out beyond that to live in victory judy dunnigan the author is joining us right now good morning to you judy thank you for taking time to meet with us this morning Good morning, Steve. I'm so grateful to be here. You know, when I first saw this book come out, uh, you know, in the sort of the uh, in the weeks before it was published, we always get a heads up at what's coming out from publishers. And I've got to say, I was really, really excited by the topic of this. You know, there are too many people who become overwhelmed with the things of life. And, you know, the image that I have is that, um, you know, a, a deer, when a hunter baits it, just finds an open field and they will bait their deer, and we should not do that, but the enemy baits us. And the enemy is just sitting up there somewhere hidden in the tree in a tree stand, and he waits for us to wander out to find the bait in an open field while we're alone, and then those fiery darts come right at us. And if we're not prepared, if we don't know the power of Christ and walk in the strength of him, we will be overcome by the enemy. And this is just a great antidote to that. Where did this all begin? How did the loudest roar even start in your mind? What happened there? Well, Steve, I had the privilege and joy of being the daughter of Mark Bubeck. Uh, My father was a pastor for over 45 years. He's a best-selling author. He wrote the book, The Adversary, when I was in middle school. And so he began to teach me and my older sisters how to stand firm in our victory in Christ and the victory that Jesus has already won for us, that's ours today. And um, so, so through his mentorship and praying over me ever since I was a young girl, I learned the, the victory we have in Christ. And just a few years ago, I started to notice that people were, it's almost as if they were giving the enemy more credit than our powerful God. And I just felt a burden about that. And so I wanted to write a book to be able to share the truths of the victory we have in Jesus that is so evident in God's Word. Hmm. You said that uh, we give the enemy a lot of credit, and we blame the enemy for, some people blame the enemy for everything bad in their lives. What is your take on that view? Well, it's very important to 
have a balanced view of warfare. As you said, there are those who blame the enemy for everything. I had a friend once who blamed the enemy about an affair she had rather than owning her own sin. Whereas on the other side of the spectrum, you have people who think he's a fictional character in horror movies and isn't even real. And then somewhere in the middle, you have people who know he's real, but they're fearful to stand firm in their victory because they think that'll just stir things up and the enemy will come at them more. And so the key is to be balanced and to be biblical. And that is really the heart of the book I've written, is to know our victory in Christ and how to stand in that. And much of that is is really focusing on Scripture and the truth that God's Word is our sword of the Spirit that we can wield against the enemy when he comes at us. Well, you know, Judy, in, in warfare, there are two aspects of it. There's the strategic part, right? The planning and the understanding. Mm-hmm. And then there's the tactical, right? There's the actual actions and the efforts that we can put forth. So what do you think is uh, an appropriate way to battle the enemy? What are some of those strategies? What are some of those tactics? Uh, and where do you find that he comes after us the most? Where does he concentrate his efforts in the life of a Christian? Well, I think where he comes at us the most is through lies that he throws at us. God's Word tells us that he's the father of lies. And also in terms of temptation and just enticing us to sin. You know, he is a a liar, and so often when you're tempted to sin, he will just throw lies at you. Oh, God didn't really mean don't do that, just like he did with Eve. And then you fall into sin and give into temptation, and then he turns to accusing you and shaming you. And um, the main way we can fight the enemy, really, is, is to look at Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18, where Paul outlined the armor that covers us. And I think it's important to dwell in those verses. It says, the first verse says, finally, be strong in the Lord and then strength of his might put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And if you listen to those words, it says we can be strong in the Lord and it's his strength and his might. That's only because of him can we be strong. And I believe, Steve, that the armor is who Jesus is. He covers us in the armor. It's his righteousness that's like a breastplate. It's his salvation that guards our mind like a helmet. It's his truth that's the belt that buckles on this armor. But the offensive parts of the armor are the sword of the Spirit, and that's where we have to know God's Word and dwell in it, memorize it, study it, so we know God's Word and how to stand against the enemy. And then prayer is a key part of the armor, as we see in verse 18 of that passage. Well, in your your book, you talk about your battle with fear and anxiety, especially when you are a young mom living overseas with babies and toddlers. What are some steps that you took to overcome that, and how does that battle with fear relate to our victory in Christ? Well, I have probably struggled with anxiety much of my life, ever since I was a little girl, and some of that is I gave a real foothold to the enemy at at slumber parties as a middle schooler and played with a Ouija board and was part of a seance, and so I gave a foothold to the enemy, and um, there was great fear that came into my life and nightmares and that kind of thing, and that is where my father started to really teach me how to stand firm against the enemy with the word and prayer. 
but while our family was living overseas, actually in Beijing, China, our two daughters were just three and five at that time, and our youngest was deathly ill, and she just had an illness where she was not turning a corner and getting any better. And there was a dark night in my soul where I thought we were going to lose her and there wasn't any way to get her to urgent care or, or there was no 911 where we lived in Beijing. And I had to wait out the night before I could get to the clinic with her in the morning. And I really had a sense of what it must be like to lose your mind to anxiety and fear and worry, almost like I was on the edge of a breakdown. And I knew the enemy was coming at me because he knows where we're most vulnerable. And so I just ran to my God in prayer. I dwelt in Psalm 91, which is a powerful psalm. I see it as a warfare psalm. And God used his word as I I read it even out loud in the middle of the night and cried it out to the Lord. He began to calm my anxious heart where I could focus and could trust him. I even surrendered my daughter to him that night. And thankfully, the next morning, I did get her to a clinic, and they got her on some meds, and she turned a corner within a few days. But that was a turning point in my life where I knew I had to press into my God and read His Word and dwell in His Word and wield the Word against the enemy who was coming at me. You know, you mentioned that psalm, and that is so, so important. I just turned open my Bible, you know, and and just to look at the heading of it, my refuge, my fortress, right? This is what we're talking about, uh, is this is the place that we turn when we need to stand firm in God and hold fast to Him. This is a very, very powerful psalm, and I'm glad that you Mm -hmm. would raise this. But it leads us to that prayer life, right? This is the importance of praying through the psalms. This is the importance of praying over God's Word. And this is one of the most effective weapons that we have, that we've been given, is prayer. So maybe what are some of the ways, because this is often sometimes where uh, new believers really feel awkward, right? They say, you know, I don't know how to pray. How do I pray? What, what do I do? And, you know, Jesus has given us an example, and he set that. But really, it's conversation with Christ. It's a petition to the Lord, and it's a belief in what His Word says. We have true, unequivocal proof of His faithfulness, of what His Word says He will do, and that translates to our life. But how do we help somebody who is kind of dry in their prayer life or new in their prayer life? What would you say about ways that they can really create a vital, rich prayer life? Well, Steve, there was a season in my life where I just cried out to God to help me do that. My prayer life had gotten very dry, and uh, ironically, I was teaching on the importance of prayer. I was on staff at a church doing that, and I wasn't really praying. And I think the enemy wants to keep us from prayer almost more than anything. It's such a threat to him. And so I would start with just crying out to the Lord, teach me how to pray, give me a desire, revive my prayer life, and he, he will be faithful in that. And then for me, especially in the area of anxiety or when you have a real burden, let's say for a prodigal child, that you can run to Scripture and pray Scripture. And the way to do that is to first maybe start in the Psalms. Psalm 91 is a great example. My husband and I prayed that so much over our daughters as we were raising them that we ended up memorizing it. 
And I often pray that psalm as I try to fall asleep or as I'm praying for a loved one. And that's just one example. Another great psalm is Psalm 139, when you have a burden for a child, or a psalm of praise. Psalm 145 is is really a work of art that David wrote that is just so lifting God up in prayer and worshiping Him. And so those are just a few ideas. I think also journaling prayers can be helpful to just pour out your heart to the Lord, writing them out. It helps keep your thoughts captive so you don't, your mind doesn't wander while you're trying to pray. And I have a lot of ideas in the book of how to start a prayer journal and, and to just use that as an act of worship, as petition for others, as even in lamenting prayers, David modeled that for us in the Psalms, and uh, I really believe a lot of those ideas will awaken their prayer life. And then another idea is to read prayers that were written by others. I have a prayer in my book that was written probably 200 years ago, a Puritan prayer on the armor that's just a powerful prayer. And then my father, I shared one of his prayers he wrote on Psalm 91, and then I wrote a prayer on the armor and also on Psalm 139, and those are all in my book where people can, they're almost like prayer patterns where you're learning how to pray scripture or turn your worries into prayers on behalf of the person you're worried about. Well, you know, you mentioned the one uh, that your father had written, the warfare prayer on Psalm 91. And I just, I want to acknowledge the use of these words that he has in there uh, because the Lord, the creator of all, Elohim, is to be honored and revered, and we have lost our awe for who God is, I believe. And when we look at that, he speaks these words in the second, uh, second paragraph. He says, because you are El Shaddai, the Almighty, the Omnipotent One, I rest in the shadow the watchful close presence of your person and power despite the noise and the schemes of darkness about me i affirm of my lord the personal loving father that you are my refuge my safe place and my fortress my fortified protection my god my elohim in whom i trust the one who includes the father the son and the Holy Spirit. That passage itself is so deeply powerful and profound because it shows the reverence for who God is, the awe that your father felt of his creator. And he references that. He calls my Elohim. And then the Trinity that he acknowledges, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and the omniscience of God, all in this one passage. And when we take that much thought, that much reverence, that much awe, and we put that in such a concise six lines, or I mean, we're talking six lines (laughs) of a paragraph, the power that is in that And when we learn to pray ourselves in that way, to call on the name of the Lord in our affliction, he is sure to answer. He always answers. Isn't that true? Yes, it is so true. He is so faithful. And thank you for sharing that. We're coming up on the fifth anniversary of my father's homegoing, which will be Sunday. It was Mm. five years ago. He passed away, and my husband and I and my sister and my other sister were all around him, and um, his legacy continues. It's a ripple effect in all of our lives, and I'm so grateful 
to have that legacy, but I encourage your listeners that they can be the start of a legacy. If they don't have praying parents or grandparents, they can be the one picking up that baton of prayer for their future generations, and it truly makes a difference. Just wonderful. Just wonderful. Mm -hmm. Judy, I mean, I wish I could spend three more hours talking to you about this but we have a, we have a radio clock that we have to maintain and we are going to have to then just extend the invitation back to you to come and join Kelly and I on air again and maybe look at different aspects you know there are parts of this that are just waiting to be unpacked and shared with others. And this is why I want to encourage people right now, um, if you would like to, wherever you get your books, if that's Amazon.com, you're going to be able to find it there. Uh, Moody Publishers, you can go to moodybooks.org, wherever it is that you get your books. Get your hands on a copy of this, as we also have five copies that we're going to be able to give away right now in just a couple of minutes. So hang in there. Don't start texting yet. I know many of you are trained. As soon as you hear that, you start. But hang on there. We're going to tell you how to get your hands on a copy of the book. But if you are not one of the lucky five today who are getting one, uh, please go to moodybooks.org or go to amazon.com. Pick up a copy of this and take this to heart. Read. There's so much richness. There's 144 pages in here before you get to the study. They are so worth it. So worth it to spend time in that. Judy, thank you so much, and I look forward to uh, getting you back here to have a further, longer conversation about this with Kelly and I. It's just going to be great. Well, thank you so much, Steve, and it's so nice to meet both you and Eric. God bless you and your ministry. Well, thank you. Bless you and yours and to your family. Our condolences. I know it's difficult to celebrate uh, the the separation here in the horizontal, but the victory that uh, and the perspective that he has seated by the Father is just a wonderful thing to think of as you guys mm-hmm. come up on that five years. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio. From the word to life. We're 97.9 WGNR-FM Anderson, Indianapolis. 91.7 WIWC Kokomo. 89.9 WHPL West Lafayette, Lafayette. 90.3 WFOF Covington, Danville. And 88.1 WMVL Mitchell, Bloomington.